so I kind of slumped down in the chair and uh, I can't remember a lot really what happened in there. Um, people trying to tip ice on me and and feed me a bit of food and stuff like that. And luckily Nikki was crewing for me and my wife. And while uh, while the, the race directors were kind of figuring out how they're going to pull me from the race, she kind of pulled me out of my chair and, and kicked me out the tent door and, and kind of got me on my way before I had a chance to. <laughs> No, no, he's so, cool, he's um, cool, off you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it basically was that. So it was like, you, you walk, you walk in a straight line, get out of here and keep moving. Kia ora, everyone. That was Chris Bisley. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. For us this week, Big Shark? No, not really. Why not? Scott Rowan, they didn't email me. Look, I gotta tell you, kid, podcasting's a fickle business. You know, the advertising world, it's, it's hard, and sometimes it really feels like you're kind of you're born alone and, and, and you die alone. And I guess, Lily, you know, the moment's not your time, but I'm sure you'll come back from this stronger and better. Anything to say? Dirt Church Radio is pleased as punch to be sponsored by Scott Running. I was going to start, I wasn't going to tell you which ad we were going to do first. I was going to start it like a Fugazi show where they don't have a set list. Yeah. And they just start. We could just, could just start talking mm. about spring energy. Mm. I came home on Friday and there was a courier package there yeah. from Fakatane. And Ooh. I knew where it had come from. I was very excited. Yeah. What's the new uh, hemp oil speed nut? Delicious. Dumb. Delicious. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So does it make up for the name? You've got to get. I'm over waiting that. on my package, and I've um, got to get over that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one thing when we were on the road to Kepler, and just yeah, yeah. we'll keep this quick. Um, I've downloaded Amir Thompson, who's the drummer from the Roots, uh, 100 greatest albums of all time. So he's put like there's a, there's a playlist which is 112 hours long, and a lot of hip hop in there. And you'll see why when we listen to this that speed nuts such a problem. But notwithstanding, they're delicious. They've got real uh, things in them, such as banana rice. Um, Maple syrup, yes, hemp oil, cacao. Um, you don't get that whole sticky. Feeling. Yeah, it doesn't make you want to punch your stomach out of your body. And uh, yeah, we love them. If you go to myspringenergy.co.nz, you'll get ten percent off with the code DCR Spring. Do it. Mash it into your mouth. Do you know what I love? Uh, tell me, women. And I think that women. <laughs> Globally, should be celebrated. I love men as well, but I love women. And we know that in the outdoors industry, women, uh, or the outdoors field, women make up um, more than 50% of the participants, but perhaps get less than 50% of the attention. But further, faster, 
uh, have started off a new thing called Her Mountain Calls, which is a wonderful initiative. You head to furtherfaster.co.nz and see the Her Mountain Calls banner, click on it, nominate the woman that you love in your life who could, you think could stand to get some more adventure. And Who she, doesn't need more adventure? Who doesn't life? need more adventure and more love? But you could go and to the draw yourself, you get a salware voucher if you win, $500 salware voucher, and the woman in your life could win, I think it's about $8,000 worth of mm, prizes, including like package. an adventure adventure photo shoot, guided trips in the outdoors, um, it, thousands of dollars worth of adventure gear, and much, much more. So if you head along to featherfaster.co.nz, her mountain calls, we love women and we think you should too. Do it. Ditch Ditch Radio. There we go. Episode 69. Double. We did it. Double episode 69. Chris Bisley. What a legend. He is. He is. There's a bit of a time warp here because we spoke to Chris the week before last when he was sitting on 300 mile wins, just the the three. Yeah. Just the three. Now he's got four. Yeah, amazing. So Mm. huge congratulations. Uh, He won at Crazy K's, which we talk about in the chat with him. Uh, He was lining up for it. You know, he's just sort of uh, getting to the pointy end of his taper and – in yeah. fact, in fact, it was only because he was on his taper really that we got a chance to talk to him. Because Otherwise, he goes to bed too early. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Which you'll hear all about. Hey, um, hey, thanks for the feedback from last week. How yeah. good was it? How oh, good was it? It was Having super Maggie good. on Maggie yeah. Gertel. Yeah. yeah, that was it was fantastic for many reasons. Uh, exciting and um, yeah, she was generous and she was kind and she was gracious and she spoke about you know Will and Katie and and. Dave Proctor and all those people and Laz and yeah, I I listened to it actually. Uh, I listened to it twice. Yeah, what I was sort of struck by was the generosity with which she spoke about, particularly Will and Katie, and then when you thought back to how generous they spoke of her, yeah, it really shows you what a special thing Laz has created, hasn't it? It's more Absolutely. than just a, a running race. It's yeah. sort of a, it's almost a like a club, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, if you haven't had a listen, go back and have a listen and then make sure you've listened to the Katie and Will shows as well. And you'll get a really good idea of the mindset that it takes to do one of those races. Mm. Yeah. Hey, speaking of those events, how's yes. Riverhead Relapse shaping up for next year? Uh, the last person standing is sold out mm-hmm. and we're now into a waiting list, yep. uh, but there's still an opportunity to get in in terms of teams. You can either have two, three, four person teams. So that's the relay version. The, the relay, yeah, yeah. And you can do eight, 12 or 24 hours. If you yeah. go to uh, lacticturkey.co.nz, you can sign up. Yeah. I was thinking what a great way to be involved without being sort of daunted by the taking on the whole absolutely. thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and that really had a... Um, the relay was far more compelling than I thought it would be, especially at the pointy end of the – oh, sorry, I said pointy end twice. Especially at the end, you know, when yeah. it literally came down to two teams who were battling it out lap for lap, and it yeah. was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So get in amongst it. Yep. How have you been? Yeah, good, man. Like, I've been – yeah, I've been good. Life's been life's been really busy, and um, I got a new job. I was going to say, can we say that? Yes, we can whoop, say whoop. that. So that's got, so cool. Yeah, I got a new mm. job, and, and you start that in the new year. I start that in the new year. Yeah, yeah. second week of January. So for those who know, I mean, I've I've got a, cl- I mean, stepping back into the role of what's called a clinical nurse specialist. So what's happened here? Oh, oh. hang on. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave that in there. Yeah, that's audio gold. Um, yeah, but um. Have that Scott had playing. It's just it's just trying to jump in all the time. Just now. Jump, Scott running, God jumped damn in. 
Yeah, Lily. Yeah. It's Lily trying to get into our podcast again. She's, she's a menace. But, she's um, everywhere. Yeah, so ha- oh, huge congrats. Thank that's, you. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really a, good. It's a, it's a big challenge, so back into being a clinical nurse specialist. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be good. We had a good run on Saturday. We had an excellent run on Saturday. And actually, so, uh, I want to catch up with how you've been, but we'll talk about that in yeah, a we'll little talk about that later. But, yeah, but uh, that, it was such a cool run. We did five hours at a Riverhead. Yeah. And when I look back at the map, I thought no one will ever be able to follow this map. <laughs> We were back, forward, up, down, yeah. round and round, it and it was great. really good. It was yeah. great fun, and we 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 did like a mini sort of Kepler. So for the yeah. first kind of three hours, we were we were trudging around, doing a lot of hiking and lots of like basically. I was leading you guys on like let's walk up this hill and then mm. let's loop around and walk up this hill, and mm. uh, and then for the last couple, we just ran solidly, got on the gravel and on just the gravel. out. Yeah, and so the three of us would say one, and it was good to catch up with him again, and and just. Yeah, we just got it done. It was good fun. And we were back, really back at the car by nine o'clock. Yeah, five hours and one minute and yeah. 999 meters. For some of us. For me. I did the extra. <laughs> A vertical gain, 999 yeah. meters. Garmin 999, Sunto, what was I? 1,023 or something. Yeah, something. Chorus yeah. was 1,056. I'm yeah. not sure. So yeah. Yeah, make yeah, of yeah. that what you will. Yeah. It sounds like a joke. A, a Garmin, a Sunto, and a Chorus went into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we were doing that because Kepler is not far away Absolutely. for us. Yeah, very excited. Yeah. Um, sort of yeah. come together where, you know. We, th- three weeks? Three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, yeah. And we're going down. and Yeah, December the 7th. Um, so we're also having a live show, as we've mentioned before. So it's in the same place as you go for registration. It'll be upstairs, 4.30 on the Friday. So come along and say good day. Um, we're lining up some great guests for yep. it. It's going to be uh, It'd be fun, and it's a good way to sort of prep yourself. The yeah. ultimate taper podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh, it should be a beauty, and yeah, we just can't wait to get down there. And really looking forward to not only the run, but for, with catching up with people and you know enjoying the beauty of Tiano. Yeah, just immersing yourself in the experience, and mm. yeah, it's mm. going to be really, really good fun. It will be. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Patreon. Yes. We're, one of the best things about last week was the fact that we had two microphones and um, it's been amazing. So we'd just like to thank everyone again for contributing. Um, we're at Dirt Church, uh, the Patreon at Dirt Church Radio. So if you want to support us, because, you know, podcasting is expensive and we've got some more audio goals that we want to uh, fulfill, then please head along to patreon.com. Uh, Slash Dirt Church Radio, but no pressure with that. Yeah, if you want to, there it is. And if it's not, we mm. love having you on board just as much, especially if you send in greatest runs ever. Anyway, right. One day we'll get the levels right on that. I, <laughs> I want to. I want to preface this, and I'm mm. going to jump in. Um, I feel so happy that we can stop with the whole uh, mountain lion. Uh, friendly men with beards uh, preface because you've done something really important. And well, yes, uh, no, well, no, well. no, but a mountain lion doco would have been important. So don't, don't diminish <laughs> the power of a, a mountain lion reality TV show. So what have you been up to, Eugene? Yeah, well, so instead of going to LA, I went to Afghanistan and I, I couldn't really say much about it beforehand. Um, it's the second time I've been there, but... It's, yeah, it's kind of, we just need to keep it a little bit quiet because I was working on a documentary, but it's out now. It's called Life and Limb. It was released at the weekend. It's about um, deaths on firing ranges in Bar Mian. But uh, if you want to watch that, go and have a look. You can find it on the, the stuff 
website, stuff.co.nz. So I won't blab on about that. But I did want to talk about running in Afghanistan, which, believe it or not, it's possible. In fact, I was a bit gutted because the day that we arrived in Bamiyan, which is a mountainous area in central Afghanistan, sort of around about 2,500 metres, uh, there was a marathon planned for the next day. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was on the plane and there were these people. And they were like, oh, what are you going to be doing there? We're running a marathon. You're what? <laughs> um, so we've got to go and do that one day. Oh, it would be fantastic. Wouldn't mean, that no, be amazing? It's a, it's a, it's a cradle of civilization. It's somewhere that area. Yeah. It's somewhere where I've always wanted to go. Yeah. And, and where it is, is is up by these beautiful lakes. It's stunning like you've never seen before. The whole country is, is a beautiful, beautiful place, and it's just so sad that it's in the state that it's in from a security perspective. But wouldn't it be amazing to go there and run that marathon? I went for a run one day outside yeah. in Bamiyan. Yeah, and you said the most dangerous thing was the traffic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously there were a lot of security protocols around us being there. Um, to be honest, being in Bamiyan was pretty safe. But So I thought, and in conjunction with you know making sure it was okay, I, I, I went outside for a run and it was cool and lots of people thought I was weird and were waving at me. Um, but I figured out that I was going to either die by being run over or from the dust. <laughs> so that was my one and only run outside. Yeah, but wow. yeah, to go and do the marathon would be cool. But it did kind of remind me that if you're listening to this, it's like that you you live somewhere that you're free to go outside and go for a run without fear of mines or of being shot or kidnapped. And that's a freedom that we should really treasure. And maybe, you know, when we do, we should think about the people for whom that just is a privilege that they can't get to enjoy. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying you got to do something about it, you know, Obviously, there's real complex problems in the world and we can't solve them all as much as we like to talk about it. But just think about those people um, because life can be really tough for them. I know that I'm thinking a lot about people that I met up there um, for whom life is really tough and, you know, your ongoing life is, is you know, a moot point every day. Um, and it's easy to forget when we kind of live our safe and secure lives that that's not the safe, that's not the way it is for everyone. And yeah. That's all well said. And if mm. you want to check out uh, the Life and Limb documentary, it's it's fantastic. And it is more than about, oh, some people, I mean, it's about the deaths of children, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we got to meet their families and that was probably, you know, one of the most confronting things that I've done in just about 30 years of journalism. But Watching it, it anyway. certainly looked very powerful. And, mm. and it is on, uh, if you want to go to RNZ co.nz check out the detail podcast you talk about that i know i it was kind of weird cheating on <laughs> cheating on this podcast if you're going to cheat on this podcast with another podcast yeah I, i'd hardly recommend the detail it. yeah that we actually had a studio i didn't have to go to anyone's bedroom it was kind of weird and also two things one i'd like to say you know i'm so glad you're back like when we went for that last run together and then when we got back to the gate and you were like okay bro well i've put you down as like my next of my, my in case anything well, it was goes wrong, your job to come and tell my next of kin. Yeah, yeah, you're that yeah. guy. I was like, oh, I felt like that part in the war movie where the dude takes the letter out of his pocket and goes, "Give that to my." I'm like, and um, yeah, thank you for speaking truth to power because if you, you know, it's, it's had some very immediate and real world consequences for the better. So thank you. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hey, right, a couple of races to catch up on. Crazy K's in Christchurch, which we mentioned, the hundred miler. She had more than 7,600 metres of climbing. That's not fair. What? Yeah. So Chris Bisley, who we mentioned at the top of the show and we're talking to, was first in 24 hours, 
41 minutes and 52 seconds, which I believe is a course record. And I watched a Facebook video, which was posted of him finishing. You can just see how much it meant to him, how he just collapsed over the line. Yeah. We got an update from him, didn't we? Yeah, so it's just touching base uh, post-Crazy Ks. Just to let you know how it went. It was hot, lots of vert, steep climbs and steps. I blazed, then burnt, then managed to recover uh, 24 hours, 42 minutes, first overall and a course record. Oh, there we go. But it was far from the perfect race. Um, he's going to get a race report done in the next day or two, and we'll certainly link that up. Yeah. Um, Mark Duhan was second in 26.44, which is, again, that's a big, gap, you know, between yeah. first and second. And Andy Smith was Smith was third in 30 hours. In the women's, it was Wendy Fallon first in 32.10, followed by Jessica Fabian and Tanya Bottomley. Now, yeah. who Kunal went down to. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, we've talked to her about coming on the show. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that sort of caps off and why we talked to Chris. I mean, because he's, he's you know, he's the archetypical kind of southern – <laughs> mountain athlete really isn't he mm. um but he he's won the southern seasons miler challenge which is four uh 100 mile races in the south island in a calendar year just the four just the four <sighs> he's done the four so it was great nasby water race northburn 100 the um what was the third one it was the um this is great great work from us and there was the crazy case. And sorry, yes. this is the kind of those. those another ones. one. Another one. Another and, one. In the forest. Mm. Yes, another one. Another one. This is terrible. Send us your feedback. Terrible. Mm. Right. Um, I'm going to find that. I really am. <laughs> really am. Um, <laughs> the old forest. Oh, that's right. And so we apologize yeah. to everyone associated yeah. with it. Race the Hamna hundred. Yeah. Um Hamna Spring. So at the World Mountain Running Championships in Argentina in Patagonia, the long course was won by Jim Wormsley, who's having quite the year. Um, Isn't he just? Yeah. Yeah. With record at Western States, world record in the fifty miler, and now a world champion. He won in three hours twelve sixteen. But Francesco Puppi of Italy was less than a minute back. In the women's long course, Christina Simon of Romania was more than two minutes ahead of second place. In the classic distance, which is 14 kilometres, Joe Gray and Grayson Murphy of the US won the men's and women's. And for the New Zealanders, the best finish was from Sabrina Grogan, who led home the Kiwis in the classic distance in 39th place, with Sarah Douglas right on her heels in 40th, Andrea Pete in 44th, and Alicia Shafti in 55th. For the Kiwi men, we saw a post from Andy Good after the race. He said he had an abdominal issue, which doesn't sound good. And I saw on his Facebook uh, or his Instagram this morning, he posted up a photo sort of at the low point of the race where he's hooked up to an IV. Um, he's gutted. Um, yeah. He's worked so hard and he's, he's a phenomenal athlete, yeah. like a phenomenal athlete. And, a good and, yeah. and yeah. put in the work uh, in, in training and also in fundraising to get over there. And yeah. he said that it was only the fact that he had, you know, that he was wearing the silver fern, uh, which is our national sporting emblem that kept him going. Um, Niam McDonald was the first of the Kiwi men home in 42nd. Richard Foote was 53rd and Andy Good came home in 59th and Harrison Bernard was 65th. So. Yeah. Well yeah. done to all, and yeah. you know, you're doing us proud. Mm. That year from Wormsley. Oof. Yeah, it's going well. Hey, the North Face 50 Miler was in San Francisco. Which is a race that's always really captured my heart. Is it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like I remember watching um, years ago, you know, it was one of the first ones that you, yep. you hear about, and it was 
the big kind of North Face championships. And and then I remember watching a Ginger Runner video back in the day of him completing the race. And yeah. It's just, it's always, yeah, I'm really interested to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, Yo, Yo Wang, Wonder yeah. Woman's, her coach, uh, Mario Farioli, uh, had a beautiful way of putting her victory. It's been a roller coaster of a year for you, but she stayed in her seat and rode it out to the end, <laughs> which I thought was a beautiful way of putting it. Yeah. As I said, that's why I said it. Uh, she wanted this one real bad. Another notable finish was Cara Goucher, the Olympian and OG Nike Oregon Project whistleblower who ran her first ultra marathon and came third. Mm. Goodness Boom. me. Yeah. And in the men's, uh, Dylan Bowman came home with sixth, which if you consider that he's like had like basically broken ankles and concussion. Oh, and what he hasn't every, he had this yeah, year? Every yeah, every other thing. Um, he has really fought back and it must have been like winning an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. And Seb Speller won the men's and it looked kind of, it did, it looked foggy as, which is, um, you know, I think a really indicative of the, the sort of beautiful Marin trails. Yeah. And, and finally, just a special shout out to uh, John Onate's wife, Makiko. Now, John's been on our podcast twice. Makiko ran the um, the North Face uh, 50 miler and was 16th overall and first in her age group, which is a phenomenal effort. Woo-hoo. So, yeah, well done. Yeah. And well done, Makiko. And I'm sure John was well stoked with that. So. Yeah. Are they supposed to be coming out to New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, they're coming yeah. back. So that'll be good to can come and kick our butts in the river. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. of us. Yeah. So the greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write in and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be the time you won your age group at the TNF 50. Um, or <laughs> so the time or a race. you became. World Mountain Running Champion and the World and the Western States. Yeah, um, could be the, that. It doesn't have to be, you know. No. Could just be uh, a runner, a runner in, the in the block, something that's sung to you for some reason, a trail that you found. Send it in to us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or via our social media. Sounds good. All right, this one's from Paul Turner. Hey, DCR crew. First of all, thank you for providing an entertaining and informative podcast on my favorite subject. Well, thank you for being so kind. Um, my greatest run ever was my latest, the Topor Ultra 50 kilometers. It was my first ultra and what a stunning location to run one in. However, it was not because of the fact it was my first ultra or that it was beautiful Topor, but because of my running partner, Olivia. She's a single mum of two who struggles to fit in training around her hectic work-life schedule, and if that wasn't hard enough, she has multiple hiccups along the way, including a foot infection that led her to have an operation on her ankle. Ouch. This laid her up for six weeks on an IV drip, and that was only weeks out from the event. Sounds like an interosseal infection, and they're nasty. I was thinking that. Uh, Yet despite all this, she fronted up to the start line with perhaps only half the training kilometre she wanted to have and made it to the finish. At times, it was not pretty. There were quiet moments when I could hear her digging deep for that extra reserve of energy that you only find when you are truly challenged and moments of verbal outbursts that would make a sailor blush the smile on her face when she crossed the line said it all i'm in awe of her courage and her willpower and the fact that i got to witness firsthand is what makes this my greatest run ever keep up the great work there you go thank you so much and i think that's kind of indicative about what makes this community really really wonderful is the fact that you ran and you you wrote in for greatest run ever but that greatest run ever wasn't about you yeah so yeah. Thank you. And those are great runs, aren't they? Yeah, when you, absolutely. When you get to run, you know, alongside someone who's doing it tough and 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 sort of really, um, you know, tightens, you know, gets it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On to our main event. So Chris Bisley, someone who we wanted to have on the show for a long Way time. Way too long. Uh, mm. Chris was a former triathlete. And he started swimming and then decided he'd 
look into running and biking as well. He ended up, uh, you know, qualifying for Kona. And the Iron Man, the Iron Man, mm. and doing that, and then sort of decided in 2010 that he'd hang up his tri suit and pick up some poles, and since has gone on to um, basically smashing, smashing ultra marathons uh, with uh, Vim and Alacrity. He's won the Northburn 100 mile, as and if anyone knows what that is all about, then you know. The it's an incredibly steep technical uh, race that it seems that you more survive than win in the South Island. He's gone on to uh, complete four ultra marathons of 100 miles in the last calendar year, and he's won all of them. There was the Hamner 100, the Naseby 100. Are we, do, are we going there again? We, we, well, Hamner, Naseby, Crazy K's, and Northburn, and he's completed all of them, and he's won all of them. We spoke to him just before he um, started off with Crazy K's, and this is a great po- conversation. It's 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 kind of it's in the weeds for the running heads. So uh, yeah, this is we really had fun, and uh, without further delay, here's Chris Bisley. Radio. All right, kia ora everyone. All the way from the mighty Dunedin city is Chris Bisley. Chris, how are you going, man? I'm, I'm well. I'm well, guys. Yourself? Excellent. Hey, look, thanks for coming on the show. I know we've been talking about it for a while, and, and the, the, it, we're stoked that the planets have aligned, and the planets have aligned just while you're tapering. Yeah, so I've just, um, just come off a pretty big block of, uh, of kind of four weeks of some quite high mileage and, and just dialed it back now. So it's just, uh, as they say, the haze in the barn, so it's kind of, Eat up and a bit of maintenance, a bit of cost training, and, uh, and waiting for race day. How do, do you find yourself suffering ever from uh, taper taper madness? I am a good one for a, a good taper tantrum here and there. <laughs> so it, it, it is my wife will attest to. So um, I think I think it happens to athletes from the front of the pack to the back of the pack. So yeah, you, what you is... get into such a a groove, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose and, that's um, it, isn't yeah, it? Once you, yeah. yeah, once you're you back off. that groove. Mm. Mm. Yeah, once you have that groove, and um, and your body, you know, as it starts to adapt to the training stress that you put through, you know, it goes through funny phases, and you feel rubbish, and before you feel better. Yeah, it's like the body knows, doesn't it? It's like here's our opportunity. You haven't been listening for all these weeks. Here's our opportunity to um, come out with all those niggles or just a bit of stress, and yeah, it's ugh, so annoying. Yeah, psychologically as well, I find, um, because you think, oh, I've got this, you know, whether it's a 100k or 50k or a, a mile or whatever it is, you think how far it is and how strenuous it's going to be, you know, you need to try and do as much work as you can as close to the time. But it's really counterintuitive to say, well, if I back off kind of from two to three weeks out, then, then I'm going to be better off on race day. So. Yeah. And so you, you were tapering for Crazy K's. Yep, crazy case. So that'll be my um, my fourth hundred mile race for the year, a part of the um, the Southern Seasons uh, Mile Challenge. So that'll be number four. So that's four, year, four um, in the calendar year. Four in the calendar year. So it doesn't really matter what order you do them in. Um, so, but I just chose to do it kind of March through November, just in one year, try and bang them all out and see how we go. And what are those races for those who don't know? Um, I start with, well, in any order really, so there's the Northburn 100, just out of Cromwell on Northburn Station. Um, there's the Old Forest 100 in Hammer Springs. And then there's the Great Naseby Water Race, obviously in Naseby. And then Crazy K's 
which is in um, Orton Bradley Park, which is just uh, at Luton on Charteris. Charteris Bay, I think it is, huh. just on the Banks Peninsula. Nice. So they, they seem like they're all just even, and for those who aren't familiar with the, the South Island of, of, of New Zealand, I mean, they sound like they're, mu- they're all very different races, like different terrains, different, you know, I know Naseby's flatter than Northburn. And so, loops. And loops. Yeah. And yep. Northburn has yep. loops too after a fashion. But yeah, but quite, so, yeah. quite different. <laughs> it, it just seems, yeah, the way it is, they're all kind of a loop course in nature, but some are bigger loops and some are smaller loops. So the likes of your Naseby and your Hamner um, courses are, are both kind of 10K loops, so 16 times 10. Um, where the likes of, I think, um, Crazy K's is 13 times 13K loops there with a whole heap of climbing in it as well. And then May's, oh, sorry, Northburn's just kind of three duty great loops that each one's more punishing than the, the one before. And, I mean, the, the first three are in fairly rapid succession, aren't they? So, well, what, March, Northburn? Yeah, March, March. Northburn, and then then you head into I think it's June, June or then, um, Hamner, and, and then August, August yeah. and November. So basically, you're hitting one in each of the seasons. Yeah, yeah, and then so, so how do you? I mean, you know, hundred miler is you know it's it takes a lot out of you. Uh, so they say. Neither of us having run a hundred yeah. miler, but but um, you know it certainly takes takes a lot out of you. So how do you cope with? Putting you know putting four into a year. Yeah, so well, obviously this is the first time that I've tried to get through and do this. So um, I kind of started the build up um, last year in kind of October. So it was just a huge amount of base, um, base training because then once you kind of get into the season um, after each race, you kind of have two 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 and a half weeks off before you start your next build-up. So each kind of build-up, you kind of get about six weeks in. And then, you know, you're always going to come across some injuries and some niggles and some sickness and stuff so they can be chopped down. But once you've got that base fitness, it's kind of there for the, the whole the whole campaign, really, as long as you can kind of keep some consistency in your training. Right. So you you literally approached it as a, as a campaign starting in Absolutely. October last year. Yeah. So, you I mean, yep. this is a, a what, 13-month um, plan of attack to get to get you yeah. through to crazy case. Yeah, I'm I'm really a, kind of like a numbers a numbers man, a numbers athlete. So I'm each kind of each is a mini campaign where I'm working from kind of eight weeks back to one and looking at the big scheme of thing all round. So and just trying to keep a level of fitness right through. So where you still have some, some big weeks and some, some lighter weeks and meditation weeks and, and then a, a nice taper through. And so with your with your training, you said you've done a lot of base stuff. I mean, do you approach it, do you go sort of the the base aerobic stuff, then the lactate threshold stuff, then the sharpening with the speed, or do you do it the other way around? Or how, what does that entail? Uh, yeah, to, to start, start with, like from last year, it was just mileage, it was just time on feet. And luckily in, in, in Dunedin, we've got some really good, some hills about, so a lot of work on the hills, a lot of work on the poles, getting out there on the running poles, um, building in some longer runs, and then also, I suppose, I don't do any true kind of speed or track work or anything like that, um, more so doing some hill repeats, which are kind of your speed work in disguise. Well, that's so, speed work, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. So, 
I mean, let's do you mind us diving into some numbers and, and just geeking out a bit on, on that side of things. Oh, absolutely. So, so when you <laughs> – yeah, throw a dog a bone. Um, when, so when you, when you talk about getting some big mileage in, in that, you know, so when you hit October, November last year, what were you, you know, what were you looking at for your big mileage weeks? Yeah, so um, anything kind of my, my maximum I found that I can kind of handle, my system can handle is up, upwards of 160, 180 k's a week. Yeah. So, and um, that, I could kind of string a couple of those together and then have to dial it back a wee bit for some adaptation and then can build up to that again. Yeah. So, um, in each campaign. But it depends a little bit for the race that you're going for, the likes of um, your North Burns and your Crazy Ks, just because the amount of climbing in those, you can concentrate on just a bit more vert. So, obviously, if you're looking at doing, you know, kind of, 16 hours, 18 hours of training a week, you're not going to go as far as if you're doing some more flat stuff for like with Naseby. We can cover more more ground on the flatter terrain or the rolling terrain. Yeah, yeah. So do you? how do you approach it or does it depend on which race you're doing? I guess if we just focus at the moment on that, on that base building phase, are you hmm. looking at your kilometres at the end of the week or are you still focused on hours or, you know, how, what, what's, your, what's your target? What's your metric? I, yeah, what's your metric? Yeah, I kind of do a wee bit of a combination of both. I, I kind of do, I don't know if it's right or wrong, I'm still trying to figure that, but I do base it on, on distance sometimes, and that's how I'll build, build, build it up to a certain high point and then bring it back down. So but then you, you have to make um, allowances, for like I was saying before, in, in the sort of terrain that you're going to be running as well. So obviously like a, a, you know, a five-hour really hilly mountainous type run, you know, you might cover you know, 35 k's or something. But if you do, you know, five hours in a relatively flat, you're going to be doing 50 k's. Yeah. So a lot of it's based um, around what works for me is kind of that 10 k's an hour, um, kind of the average. So I can build it out there. So now if I get in 16 hours of training, then I'm going to cover around about that 100-mile distance. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How, how are you and, – and sorry not to ask a – too intrusive question. I mean, you, you, you've got a full-time job. You've got three children. Your wife is a runner. How are you fitting yep. that in? Are you getting up early um, or going to bed late? I, I, I get up really early and go to bed really early. So I usually go to, go to bed with my kids at kind of 8 o'clock, 8.30, and then I'll be out on the trails at half past three in the morning. Right. To, or, you know, so if I'm getting in two and a half hours, I'm always planning to be home by 6 a.m. Uh, during the week, so um, and then then in the weekend you can you can extend it out a little bit more when you're doing your longer run. So, but I've also um, got into the groove of kind of doing like a, a Friday night run as well. So you can you can go to work all day, come home Friday night, get the kids to bed, and then you can go out and kind of play all night, and then you still kind of get Saturday as a recovery day mm. as well to spend with the family and that. So. Yeah, there is a there is a way, but you definitely have to have the will to yeah. implement it. I suppose absolutely. So some, I don't know the last time I stayed up and watched a movie on telly that started at half past eight. I right. Just, you know, you can't do that sort of thing. So I'll well, I'll get into bed and I'll read two pages of a book and I'll be you know asleep <laughs> with the lights on. <laughs> you're a man after my own heart. Um, <laughs> and you can sleep when you're forty. I guess is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. Yeah. Um, Wow. Okay. So you're still getting, and I just wanted to talk about sleep because I know myself, I start work at seven in the morning and I often think to myself, mm-hmm. I'll get up at 
four and run, but I end up going to bed about 11. And it just mm. doesn't... Yeah, it, the maths doesn't work. Because I do late shift as well, and it just doesn't work. Oh, but, right. so, yep. but you're still getting that good amount of sleep for the recovery. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a consistent six, six and a half, really. So we've still got, still got um, youngish kids. So, you know, there's the odd night where you'd be getting up halfway through the night and taking someone down and jumping back into bed or swapping beds or, you know, the dog will be barking or something like that. So, but, um, yeah, I try and get one sleep in a weekend, like on a Friday morning or something like that, but I'll sleep until kind of 6 or 6.30. And so I'll get one kind of big bank night. And then, I don't know, I think you just learn to adapt and, and start to survive on that much. Yeah. There's you know, it's plenty of studies out saying, you know, oh, you've got to have, you know, just kind of eight and a half, nine hours or whatever, but sometimes it's just not quite possible. I- I think it. I think much like anything with human beings, it depends on the individual, right? So if you did, if you, if we, you know, we've had. I don't know you're the sixty. You'd be the sixty eighth person, sixty ninth person, sixty eighth, sixty ninth person we've had on the show, right? And yep. sh- I mean, I can't. I've lost count. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. And. 68, 69 people have different approaches to mileage. 68, 69 people yeah. have different approaches to nutrition. 68, 69 Absolutely. people have different approaches to how much sleep they need. And you see some people who, um, you know, thinking about, did you, perchance, he, did you read Jason Coop's article that came out today about... Uh, oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen his one today, but I've, definitely, you, um, I've heard a lot of his stuff before. Should you become plant-based? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's a really right. amazingly balanced article. And, and, and spoiler alert, he says... If it works for you, and you you know, and you can do it well, then yeah, there's no harm in doing it. Mm. Yeah, and, and sort of, but yeah, it's, but it's yeah, every everyone's different, and so you, you, I mean, I guess one one other thing I wanted to, to jump into is you. I mean, you you've made that conscious decision. You've made it's it's a lifestyle decision, really, isn't it? That you that's what you want oh, to do, and so you've yep. you've made that decision. I mean, what what? I mean, I know I, I remember training as a. Um, I remember training for marathons when I was in my in my twenties, and I'd sleep in and then go to work and then try and squeeze a run in at the end of the day and you know and then be like oh god how am I ever going to fit in time for training now I just laugh yeah. thinking yeah. what an <laughs> idiot I had so much time for training um, yeah. and I just wasted so much time and but you know when yeah. I had when I had a young family and a busy job and I and I really wanted to run decent marathons, then I made the time, you know, and I, and I did get mm-hmm. up early. I did, you know, but I, but I actually had to make that choice. So you, I mean, you've made that choice. What, what sort of drove you or was there a point where you thought, bugger it, the only way I'm going to get this done is to get up at 3.30? Yeah, I've, I've always been like a morning person. I was, um, come from a swimming background when I was younger. So, and it was always, you know, you get up early and you're, you're hitting the, the pool, you're taking the covers off, you know, under lights and stuff like that. So I've never had a problem with, with, with early mornings. Yeah. Um, and and I suppose as well, kind of two-prong, I'm not going to sacrifice being a dad for training. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I can't do that. I can't be out there knowing that, that family's at home. Like, I'd rather be out there when they're in bed. And kind of the second one is, is that I don't have room or time for junk miles, like, each session I'm kind of going out because it's got a bit of purpose, it's got a bit of intensity, there's, you know, there's a bit of oomph behind it, there's a reason behind it. So I'm making, you know, those 16 hours, uh, 16 hours of purpose and 
in some real kind of direction, yeah. I suppose. There's nothing like a perfect crime run, is there, where you get home. I mean, for me, a perfect run is one where I get home and my missus is still asleep. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's just the yeah. bit you just like, yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes you've got to adult, well, you do invariably have to adult all day, and that gets a bit ropey throughout the day sometimes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It is. It's, it, and I guess it's that, it, it, with any kind of training comes sacrifice. This is your, yeah. I mean, this is your second, I guess, this endurance long distance running. It's, it's your second iteration of your life as an endurance athlete. So, you know, the bio you sent us, you retired from triathlon in 2010, but you, you ended up going to the world champs in yes. Kona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of kind of recreated myself kind of after that. So I kind of started triathlon, I suppose, in my early 20s. And you so, swam before um, that? Yeah, I swam at school, right through school up until I was about 15, kind of to like that second tier national level. So I was from um, from a country school in, in Motawaika uh, through there. So we just had the outdoor pool and then swimming in kind of summer and stuff like that. So probably a little bit more potential there that, that wasn't met, but it was always a strong swimmer. So triathlon was a, a natural progression from there and always loved riding bikes. So I always wanted to use a road bike. So I took the dive. And then when I came down to Dean, I happened to, um, oh, you by chance, run into John Hallamans up at Moana Pool. So oh, not, said, not a bad, come, not come a bad person and, to bump into. Yeah, come along and, and have a go. And, and I'd always been interested in um, in kind of the longer the longer type sports and that sort of stuff. Um, so and, and there was a couple of guys there that were training for the um, the Challenge Wanaka uh, Ironman. So I thought, oh, we'll give this a nudge. So I... Um, I put in some hours for that, and that was my first one. I can't remember what year it was, maybe in 2005 or something like that. So I did that for – actually, I did the um, inaugural one there, so the first ever one, so that was a real buzz as well. Uh, and then I did a few after that, and then it must have been 2008, 2009, went up and did and did reasonably well and got that kind of qualifier. So, yeah. And had that been something you'd, you'd aimed for, or did it just, just happen that you you qualified? No, I put it um, like, kind of like everything. I um, when I invest in something, it's kind of it's all in. It's yeah. kind of all the chips are on the table, and and I put a huge campaign in for that, and managed to. Um, I think I got second in my age group at Talpo. Another guy just just beat me there. So and then there was no doubt that if, if we qualified, we were going to go to we we're going to go to um, Kona and go give the the big dance a go over there. Which yeah, was, which was a hell of a, a hell of an experience actually, and I'm. I'm both Nikki and I are so glad that we did commit and go over and do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you kick yourself if you didn't take that opportunity because it is just, it's the big show. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. And, and at the time, it was like the, the big stars that were there, like Craig Craig Alexander won it that year and um, Chrissy Wellington won the females and, you know, all the big guns of the year. And, yeah, you know, if you're on the same start line, you're riding the same road yeah. and everything like that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. a wild time, really. Chris, Chrissy's stepped into um, ultra marathons as well, hasn't she? I think she did um, comrades yeah. last year. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know how she got on there. Yeah, I can't. Uber competitive, isn't it? The, uh, uh, comrades. comrades, oh yeah, 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 yeah. comrades, is. yeah, definitely. Um, I, yeah, I don't think. I mean, she certainly wasn't near the top, but she, it was a really solid effort. Um, yeah, but uh, well, she, yeah. Was, she, 
She was a hell of a um, Ironman athlete. Yeah. Like she was running, she was running two forty fives. Yeah. Um, kind of around the time we were over there, like, and, and you know, that is just off of a sub five hour bike. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Mind yeah. blowing. She's a phenomenal athlete. Yep. I think she's tied up with Parkrun now as well, globally. Anyway, okay. There you go. Fun facts about Chrissy Wellington. That's that podcast. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so I mean, you know, you 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 went, uh, you know, nine nine thirty seven at at um, Kona. at Kona. Uh, yeah. So and then, but then you, you you more or less pulled the pin after that. Was that, you know, what was what was so, what, what was you thinking about that? So basically, when we were in Kona, um, Nikki, my wife, was pregnant with our first child. So um, that was in October, the race, and then Molly, our first child, came along on New Year's Day, uh, that New Year's. So with the advent of that, um, I tried one more half Ironman um, after that. I think we did one more Ironman in Wanaka and then another half Ironman. It just started getting too tricky, just the hours like I was wanting to put in. And with work and having the family and stuff like that, mm. it's just getting too tough. And again, I didn't ever wanted to sacrifice that family time or doing my part of the parenting. Yeah. Um, so we kind of said, oh, you know, I still enjoy doing this real long stuff. So why not just concentrate on on one discipline that I can do or do all the training when you know either in bed or or out doing something like that. So um, running seemed to be the um kind of the ideal for that actually. So I kind of just fell into it there. So I kind of just trained up for um I think it did the Dunedin Marathon um first up and then um when was it in two thousand twelve I think I took on the NASB hundred K as my first ultra. And you came first? Yeah. Nine yeah, hours and nine minutes. Was, That's quite a hundred K. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was the classic, did not have a clue what I was doing. So, um, and just kind of got out there and, and ran it. I don't know how I made it. So, again, there's a couple of good photos of me kind of struggling through. So, I, I, um, I'm kind of surprised you say that because it, it seems from your background that you're someone who um, prepares uh, so yeah. diligently and, yeah. uh, you know, so it, it, seems, it seems strange for you to say, you know, you didn't have a clue what you were doing. It was it was the learning curve race really. I didn't. Yeah. I've done some longer runs. I think you know, gone up to about five hours or something like that. But you know, the first time you kind of go beyond that, you know, where, where your nutrition's at, where your hydration's at, you know, what 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 are your muscles going to feel like, you know, when you're running down some of those hills and stuff. So it was you know, everybody has to go through that, I suppose, when you're starting something new. Yeah. So I'm I'm just kind of lucky that. There was a little bit of performance there that allowed me to kind of to get over the tape first, I suppose. Was it Jeff Browning who said that you've got to really, at any distance first, you've got to experience one? He was talking about 100 miles specifically. You've got to experience mm. it before you can race it. But mm. it's, the, it's yep. the same thing, isn't it? The first time you run 100 kilometres, it's like, whoa, yep. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. That's what that yeah. feels like. Yeah. 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 I, I suppose as well that's what's so special about ultra running and, and getting out to that 100 mile distance is that every race is so individual. Like even if it's the same course, but you're doing it a different year or the second or the third time, how your body's going to react to it on that day is so different. Mm. So, and, 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 and you've heard it 100 times before on podcasts, people saying that ultra runners are great problem solvers. 
because mm. you know you never know what you're going to run into. Excuse the pun during that run. So, like I, I thought I had kind of North Burn figured out before I hit it at the start of the year, and was just completely blew to bits at 100 k's, and had to somehow try and <clears throat> get the get the day back together. You know, and a, and a bit of a, a losing cause and try and try and hold together and. And get over that final sixty k's. How yeah. did you do that? I mean, what what, what I, I've heard. You know, we had two friends, uh, Gene and Tom, who did uh, mm. North Burn this year. Tom did the, the the whole the whole thing, and Gene ended up doing most of the whole thing. He did the fifty k and then paced Tom for the rest yep. of the, <laughs> the other two loops. And they said it's you know it's it's almost incomprehensibly um, it, challenging. Yeah, it's 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 brutally hard, and 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 it, the further you get into the race, the harder it gets. So basically, a, br- a breakdown of, of, of that race this year for me is that I felt really good for the first 50k loop. And I was kind of hanging out near the front of the field because everybody starts at the start. So I was I was running through with some of the 50k guys and the 100k guys. So I come through, and then at the um, start of the second loop, which is the, another 50k loop, um, got out onto the course at around about lunchtime. It must have been a little bit before and. It's, that's when it got hot, and it just got really, really hot, and there's just just tons of climbing, and it's all kind of um, west facing, so you got the sun all day. And then once I got back to the um, the kind of the, the camp or the turnaround, the transition there, I was just cooked. I was just dehydrated, um, probably a little bit of heat exhaustion, a bit of just normal exhaustion as well, but a lack of nourishment. So I kind of slumped down in the chair, and uh, I can't remember a lot really what happened in there. Um, people trying to tip ice on me and and feed me a bit of food and stuff like that. And luckily, Nikki was crewing for me, my wife. And while uh, while the the race directors were kind of figuring out how they're going to pull me from the race, she kind of pulled me out of my chair and and kicked me out the tent door and, and kind of got me on my way before I had a chance to. <laughs> no, no, he's so, cool, he's um, cool, off you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it basically was that. So it was like, you, you walk, you're walking straight line, get out of here and keep moving. So I had a bit of a cry on the way out from there, a bit of a breakdown. And then, then somehow you just head around it and a bit of nutrition on board and and uh, and somehow I got it together and, and, and felt quite strong kind of through the, the last maybe kind of quarter of the race. How much climbing so, is it, North Bend, for those who are unfamiliar? Um, oh, well over 6,000 metres, I'm sure of it. Wow. So, 18,000 yeah, feet of climbing over 100 miles. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's absolutely a ton of descending as well. There's so much you climb to a point and you drop right down. and Yeah, it's um, demoralising. And it's off-piste of it. as well, so, most of it, hey? Sorry, what was that? It's off-piste. It's not on-groomed trails. Um, yeah, we, when you are on a road, it's really rough four-wheel drive track with just big ghoulies all over the road and stuff. But there are sections where it's um, just right on the top of plateaus and you're just following kind of like a, um, a fence kind of market peg every couple of hundred metres. So, yeah, ter- Terry definitely makes it challenging. He's... <laughs> um, he loves to make a challenging, challenging race, and he's definitely done it with that one. So yeah, but, but it's the sort of one that that gets you hooked, I suppose, and you want to go back and, and you can do it, you know, ten times, and you might have one good race. 
Yeah. So you, you I mean you did 2017, then you had a year off. Yep. And and then came back yep. in 2019. So yeah. Just, I mean, and just, I mean, you know, coming back for coming back from that deep dark place that you were. I mean, you 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 won the race. So when you say yep. somehow you got yourself out of that hole, are you able to look back and think? What it, what it was that that did manage to do that for you? I mean, what's you know, with all your experience I, and stuff, how how did you get out of that hole? I think I I think it's just just determination to keep pushing. So the, you kind of when we were talking before the podcast, you, you kind of you know, I've got a reason why you do this or why you love doing it, and, and I think one of the reasons why is just is like um looking seeking for that that kind of that raw grittiness you know of, of when you're at your lowest like how you can keep going just that sensation so and, and that, that is is cliche as it sounds that exploration to find your limits i suppose will try and push beyond your perceived limit yeah so um and 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 those sorts of races allow you to do that i suppose the same as when people go to like to bad water and stuff like that yeah, yeah. Everything's against you. So, like, um, I'm a, I'm a fan of of people that have done explorations and and crazy stuff in the past. Like one of one of my favourite books is um is what's it called? I've got it written down somewhere. Uh, Voyage for Mad Men, which is about the the first solo around the world yacht race. All oh, right, okay. That was put on back in I think it was '68 or something, and uh, there was like. I think it was eight or nine men that set out to sail around the world. And, like, it didn't mean, you know, it was the first time it had been done solo, kind of nonstop. So, that, that obviously, we aren't going out and running into the completely unknown. And there's, you know, some safety out there. But you're definitely putting yourself out there and testing yourself, which is, which is I suppose, is one of those things that, that draws me to it. Mm. Mm. But I guess, you know, I mean, that's one thing. I, I I get it. I hear hear what you're saying about the grit and determination, but mm. and you, just just going back to that point. Where you, so you're in tears. You're walking away from the tent. You you're yeah. cooked. You, you must have. I mean, apart from you know, determination will only get you so far. Yeah, you know, your body yeah. your body was was screaming at you. You know, <laughs> go back and sit down. Um, so what were the steps that you took? What you know, did you slow down? Did you, you know, get eat heaps? Did you, you know, what what were the things that you did? The the actual, you know, the steps those problems, the took. steps that you took, those yeah. problems that you solved to get yourself yeah. back to the point where you came back and ran strongly at the end. I, I think there's two things that I used. One was the training that I've done, and I try and simulate what the race is going to be like in training. So I put myself in in horrible situations in training like that. So we, you just don't want to do it, but you keep on going. Yeah. And the other one was I wanted to win. <laughs> I really, really wanted to win. And I knew that if I was feeling that bad and I was pushing, then whoever was in second or third, they'd have to be pushing even harder and feeling worse than me to come, come over the top of me. And if they did that, then they deserved it. Yeah, so, right. And and that's, that's driven. So I... I Kind of don't shy away from the fact that when I tow the line, I tow it to win. And no, I think um, there's, there's, I mean, we're competitive by nature. That's what. That's a mm, pretty useful evolutionary yeah, yeah. mechanism. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. So you yeah. were, you were in so, the lead at that point, 
And you just were yep. determined yep. to hang on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I suppose um, I'm kind of not, like when I race, I'm not super aggressive. I'm not like one of those guys that used to scream off the front. But sometimes it just, it does happen like that. And, you know, I don't mind putting pressure on other people during race situations, you know, either, you know, hang with me or, or you're going to kind of drop off the back a wee bit. So, if you're in, especially in an ultra, if you're to that point where you're kind of racing them, um, not to not to sound arrogant, definitely not. You get absolute respect for the race and the distance, but to to start playing some of those competitive games where you're pushing pushing people, you know, so they might be digging a bit deeper than they want to, and putting them in a bit of a hole. And that's part of the. I mean, that's that's part of the drama of it too. Yeah. Right? That's part of what makes it yeah. part of what makes it wonderful. And and yeah, mm. there's no. I mean, we were we were ooing and ahhing at that uh, that um. That footage of Ruth Croft, yeah, and that other was mm-hmm. the race that she. Oh, was that the, the race um, that eludes me? Um, She's running down the chute, and that Ma- Marathon de Mont Blanc, wasn't it? I think no, so. uh, yeah. might be wrong. Yeah, we she we she puts the shoulder in. Yeah, she just elbows that woman right. out of the way and keeps going. And yep. uh, yeah, know, that's yeah. imagine if she'd been stuck behind her and just patted on the shoulder and went, "Good race, good race." <laughs> you know, well like yeah, yeah, yeah. That that ruthless. Oh, excuse the pun. Yeah. Um, streak um, <laughs> is is necessary, isn't it? And and it's thrilling. Yeah. It must be. You know, yeah. you you must. Yeah. You know, you, you must feel alive in those moments when you are. Yeah. You know that you're Absolutely. on you're on the threshold yourself, and you're pushing someone else. That's that's a thrilling place to yeah. be. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of you you kind of compete or or participate in these for a couple of reasons, and 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 that that competition factor is kind of one for me to get out there and. To, to either run the fastest time or try and get the highest placing you can or, you know, compare yourself to other people that have done it in the past and stuff like that. Yeah. Has so it? There's one driver that kind of, you know, it's another driver that gets me out of bed at kind of quarter past three in the morning to be on the road. Yeah. Has that always been a part of you, that competitive streak? I think it has. Yeah. I think it has. It's just something I was born with. I was the same when I was when I was young in the summer. Like I, I, I tried to... Tried to play team sports for a while. I, uh, I was in our, I was in our first fifteen and and volleyball team and stuff like that. But I was never, I was never the best team sports person. Um, I never had the, I never had the anticipation or the vision in ball sports or anything like that. And absolutely love cricket to bits, but I'm just rubbish at it. So, <laughs> and I guess so you're more of a test least, match guy than a one day, right? <laughs> I love. It. Yep, yep. One of the best days I've had is, is running all day when there's a test match on. I lift every single ball. So yeah. <laughs> so is so the, and does that does that manifest itself in other other aspects of your life? I mean, I, like one of our kids, I know that, that they're a bit competitive. Won't, won't name names, but um, I know that when they were little, the only way you could get them to brush your teeth would be like, "I'll race you," and oh, and yeah. so then it would be on. You know, that's because the competitive streak would come out. Right. You know? So is that yep. is that something that Carries over for you as well. Is it? Do you, do you notice it in yourself and other aspects? Yeah, I, I probably, I probably do. It's probably a wee bit um, like subconscious that yeah. I probably do it. I think I am quite competitive. I, you know, and probably not. Probably a bit of a, um, a short fuse sometimes if things aren't going my way. So that might contribute to that as well. Um, I suppose I like you know if I'm doing something, I like to do it well. So they might be annoy the hell out of some other people. You know, I'm trying something again and again and again to, to kind of get it to how I want it to be. Yeah. 
Well, I guess, I mean, all of these things are strengths, right? The only time when it becomes an impediment is if it stops you functioning. So, you know, and, yeah. and, and you take perfectionism yeah. with that. So someone who, you know, yeah. I don't know, trying to butter the per- perfect slice of bread, they're going to starve to death, right? Because they can't <laughs> do it. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. And yeah, go, go for a life get one. Yeah, that's right. And speaking of perfection, I mean, you know, you cracked it at Northburn. You got the first overall. You got Old Forest Hamlin the first overall. And then and the, course record. And course record. But then the lofty heights yep. of the Crush the Cargo Longest Shortest <laughs> Day, last person standing yes. event. How was that? Yes, that was uh it was a really interesting one actually. So that was the first kind of last man standing event that had entered. So and obviously with uh the guys from Crush the Cargo weren't doing it, it was always gonna be a bit quirky. So but um luckily the old Mount Cargill's it's not on my doorstep, but we're we're kinda of on the other side of it where I live, so but it's definitely um in my neck of the woods, so I'll I'll run that track a fair bit. So but just just how to manage yourself on, on just over that time. Yeah. So we had uh we had two hours to complete an ascent and a descent of it. So it's four Ks up, four Ks down. So and um I I, I found Again, not trying to sound arrogant or sound like a, a dickhead or anything, but two hours was was a generous amount of time. Yeah. So I was I was getting a good thirty minutes in my deck chair, kind of wrapped up in my sleeping bag, kind of having a cup of Milo and a biscuit and stuff, waiting for the next lap to come around. So um, I didn't mind kind of plunking up and down, up and down all day. So it's again, it's interesting, isn't it? The thing that was. We just had Sorry. KU. Oh, it's just so interesting, and it feels like we're really steeped in it. And and you know the last person standing thing, and 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 yeah. you know full disclosure, I, I've just been out in the forest before I came here, um, yep. working out logistics with Wi-Fi this year uh, ah. for mm. the Riverhead relapse, which I understand. Oh, wonderful! I understand you might have entered. I haven't as yet. No, oh. um, it might. <laughs> I was actually going to check to see if there was any entries still open. But, there may be a wait list. Um, yeah, there may be. It might not work this this next year, I should say, but maybe the year after. So we'll have to wait and see. But I'm definitely keen to uh, to get up to the big dance there. Yeah. I um, think you'd probably call then... it the flat dance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was the yeah. yeah. But I, I guess what it says, it's it's a different challenge, isn't it? Because what you're dealing with, and mm. Katie Wright called it Tetris. You know, because yeah, you yeah. You, yeah. you change the course doesn't the time doesn't you change? Mm. That's yeah. what you manage. Mm. You change, yeah. And there's, there's so many things that can get into your head, like how other people are looking and how long is this going to go. And, and like you say, if you you set yourself a ceiling for how long it's going to go, once you get to that, you know, it's almost game over for you. It's hard to reset. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know? actually, um, when, so, you were just, when you were saying about having half an hour sitting in your chair yeah. with the blanket and the cup of Milo, I was actually thinking, yeah. is that an advantage or a disadvantage? Because I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And, and in some sense... I'd feel. I wonder. I want. I mean, not having done it, but I just wonder if that actually would make you feel. Oh God, I've got to get up and go again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that I could. I'd done um, seventeen uh, loops at the previous year's Crush the Cargo, so twenty four hours. So I knew that was. You know, I could handle that. Right. So it was. Would anybody be keen to to hang around until Monday morning? So. I told my boss that, um, you know, they might get a text on Monday morning that I won't be in because I'm still running up and down there, <laughs> up and down that hill. So I, I was going to prepare to be there, and, and, and Nikki said, you know, stay as long as you want. You know, I'll keep pairing your food and stuff down. So, 
um, in the end, they kind of, it was quite funny actually because Mel had said to me on lap 12, he said, this is the last one I'm going to do. So I kind of walked halfway up with him and then kind of ran up and down and had to sit down. And then we ended, when he got down, we kind of had a handshake and to be the official one, he has to do one more because he's completed that lap. Oh, right. So, okay. um, so I kind of started the next one a little bit earlier and kind of boosted it up and kind of crushed it back down. And then by the time I got down, they were all sitting in their cars ready to go home. And that was, that was, that was the winning of the event. It was, but it was, it was kind of eight o'clock at night in the middle of winter yeah. up a valley where it was like frost, you know, you'd stand around and get frosty on you. So, okay, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, it, yeah. people talk about it in, in both ways, you know, taking it back to that if you've got half an hour a lap. What I was struck with when we were doing the relapse was just how many – you know, over say 13 laps, if someone's running in it, I don't know, 45 minutes, someone's running in it mm. 55 minutes, say, that's 130 minutes more that mm. that person's been running. That's 130 minutes yeah. more rest. But then also yep. uh, Andrew McDowell talked about, and he's a very, he's a very, very lean fellow. He talked about how cold he'd get. So he'd be, he'd, yeah. be, he'd be resting, right? but he'd be yep. getting cold. So then he'd have to get up. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, again, it's that individuality. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I developed a process where I'd get back from the lap, I'd be straight on with my puffer, on with another hat, and straight into the sleeping bag, and then sit down. So yeah. within one minute of getting back to home base. Yeah. So, and then it was always there. Those first couple of minutes when you started out again would be a bit creaky. So I've never been very good at stopping and then going again. So yeah. I don't think I'll be any good at stage races. So I tend to... When I'm when I'm going, I can keep on going, but stopping and then going the next day has always been a struggle. Yeah, I guess that's part of the challenge with it, though. Hey, there's that sense of yeah, absolutely. You know, the um, yeah, yeah, having to get up and 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 do it all again the yeah. next day or yeah, do you, it again you, tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. And your legs are a bit stiff and yeah. to start with. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like the likes of what um Will and Katie did over at Beaks is just it's astonishing. I don't I don't think you know people understand how amazing it is. And yeah, how, you know, top top of the field that is. Yeah, no. And um, I've always had a saying that you know, if you you make it onto the final women's weekly, then you've really made it in New Zealand. And and Katie's face should be on there like next week, like how you know it's international stuff. It really is. It, it really is, and I think it. I think it sort of sent you know not. I think it did knock people a little bit here. I I had some texts from some people going. Oh gosh, you know, like when she yeah. clicked through two hundred, clicked through two fifty, you know, like all of these things yeah. that she was doing, and it was, yeah. and, and everyone actually, not just Katie and and Will, but you know Maggie and and mm. Fast Dave and yeah. all those people, mm. yeah. um, doing that. But then I look at you, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, you're about to hit your fourth hundred miler for the calendar year, you know, a lot of elevation, and you've won the other three that you've you've entered. In the series, obviously, you're going to be gunning for the win for this one, yeah. Yep, absolutely. I mean, not to you well, know, having having just admitted to being yeah. competitive, I'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> be surprised if you, you'd say, "Oh no, I'm, I'll, I'll be happy with third. Be happy yeah. with third. And, and it's the th- it, it's that thing, isn't it? I look at that and go, "Huh, oh my goodness, it's you know, like let let's yep. let's just do a collage and put your face on Women's Day as well. <laughs> like it's that thing. Yeah. And and you're not doing it for a million bucks, though, are you? No, no, I haven't. I've won some wine, which is quite funny because I don't drink. Right. And, um, and a couple of t-shirts. So, and then I'm starting to collect a few buckles now as well. 
But I suppose, I suppose to that point is that like when you're in it and you're living it, it's kind of your reality. Yeah. And what you consider is normal is normal to you and probably the people in your kind of close circle, like your family or close friends. So I suppose a lot of people, my, my colleagues at work still think I'm completely raving mad, but they kind of just think, you know, that's just who you are. So, but if you're talking to someone on the street and you say, you know, this is what they do, that, that's the classic, you know, I can't even drive that far type thing. Mm. I was just going to say that. It's so, the cliche. You need to have a jar. You need yeah. to have like the equivalent of a swear jar. Yeah. So every time someone yeah. says like, oh, mate, I couldn't even drive that far without having a rest. They need to put two bucks on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's, yeah. the, it's the runner's yeah. bingo yeah. card, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> do your knees hurt? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to need a hip replacement. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 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 But I mean, you just talking about your work. You you were you know you're the gym manager at the very famous Moana Pool Gym in Dunedin. Yes, and absolutely. so I guess you know your life is you know one of it just seems one big exercise regime. Is it you know do you is that something you've always been involved in working with? Um, um, yeah, kind of. I studied um, down here at the Polytech first and did a, a sports coaching and management through there and then I went on to the university and did the, the PE degree through there and, and majored in exercise prescription. So the kind of the coaching and prescription sort of things has always been kind of right in my wheelhouse, I suppose. Um, and I was kind of lucky enough to, to start with aquatics, um, lifeguarding. Um, this is probably going to bore everybody to death. It's not that exciting. But That's then just worked my good, way man. through. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid end. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, I've been with the DCC and Aquatics for about 15 years now. So, and they've been really supportive of me kind of upskilling through. Um, but it's nice now, like, I'm in a, in a position or a role where I'm bringing kind of young people on and, and helping upskill them through until they move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. So that, that's one pretty cool thing about about my job. And, and the other thing is, is helping people better themselves, you know, health and well-being through through being physically active. Yeah, and you you must and, see and some real, of, you must see some real change in people. Yeah, absolutely, and some real inspiration and stuff. Like at, at the gym, we have you know people coming through in the eighties doing their um, kind of once a day type workout. You know, five days a week. It's fantastic seeing these people come through, and 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 you see them over like a five year block, and they haven't changed. You know, they're not aging anymore, or they're mm. not been out for six months with a, a broken hip from a fall or something. So and you can guarantee everybody that comes in there'll be some some strength and stability type advice from me about running and this and that. And so it's just the way it is. And do you have any I mean it sounds like you're so steeped and actually you fit very well within your con your context, you know, the life that you live, you know, you, you work, you you run, you have your family. Do you have any goals for taking this overseas, or do you have any big races overseas that you've got your heart set on at all, or are you just going to kind of, uh, you know, I, I, stick around? I'd love here to. Or? Um, I'd love to get back to Hawaii and run the Hurt One Hundred. Wow, that's a bit of a a bucket list for me. Uh-huh. Um, that one there, because because we always wanted to go back to Hawaii, so. Um, we don't know. Um, I suppose um, one of the one of the big two hundreds in the states would be a good one. Yeah, Tahoe um, or something. Like Tahoe would be would mm. be amazing. Um, or Bigfoot or something like that over there. Um, the Moab or or one of those or 
yeah, who knows, you could go over and do the three of them, couldn't you? Because you're doing a series in about two months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 600 miles, so, two months, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so but on, on that subject, um, old Jamie from Great Nazby Water Race contacted me a while ago, and I think they've just released it yeah. through the social media the 200 miles feed as well. Yeah. Next year, yeah, they're, they're busting out the 200-miler. So are you the person uh, that was, he referred to in that? In, uh, no, that? no, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, absolutely not. No. Right, right. What, what's so, this? Like, the, that? When they announced it, they said, due to a certain person pushing us, right. words to that effect. Yeah. yeah you know, no, we're, we're I never mentioned that. That might have been that Adam Keane, I'm not sure. Oh, Logan really? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We'll I don't Adam know. Keane. But that, yeah. that would be a hell of a couple of days there. It would be worth going to watch some um, – some people running around in circles for what thirty-two laps or something. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, trying to get trying to get your head around that. So, I I, um, try, I came to the point. I'm trying to get my head around it. And the last couple of you know conversations we've had with people, I've actually reached the point in the conversation where I've just sort of paused and gone, "Hang on, I'm just trying to get my head around this." It's, yeah, it's a yeah. long time. It's a very long time. Is it, yeah, yeah. It is. Even if you're, you know. Well, if you're running really conservatively, you know, like what do they say? The, the golden mark for that is, you know, you can do almost your 48 to 50 hours. Oh, wow. So, to, try, to try and cover that. So Yeah. When you try and put it in so, perspective, I mean, I, it's that thing, isn't it? Like my friend uh, Targo, he did the round Mount Taranaki 100 miler. And it was the day mm-hmm. I did my first ever ultra marathon, which was the Tanifa 60K. And I remember I oh, got. Yep. He he started running the night before. I thought, okay, cool. He went to bed. I went to bed. Got up. Targo still running. Went. I ran an ultra marathon. Targo still running. Came home. Had some beers. Targo still running. Went to bed. Got up yep. the next morning. Targo still running. You know, it's yeah. just that, that yep. length of time. Yeah, it's exceptional. Yep. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that was kind of the similar at, at Northburn. I'd I'd run that and finished. Kind of gone home. Had a day of feeling absolutely awful. That evening you're feeling awful, got up the next day, and then there were people still running. Yeah. yeah. So we could, you know, you get up the next morning and you can see headlamps out on the uh, out on the course and stuff. So, wow. you know, there's, there's some people out there, you know, there's, there's, there's that grit and determination can take you so far. Yeah. So. Well, that, there's that, uh, the most extreme example, that was the, the TDG. Wow. With uh, Jason Coop. Oh, yeah. Jason Coop saying yes. his, he, he, yeah. his wife had time to. Uh, f- finish her job at high school, drive yep. to wherever it was, fly, fly, fly to there, Italy from fly to the Italy. US. Yeah, yes. then drive down to the start and still had time to crew. <laughs> I was like, yeah, crazy. That sounds like a beast of a race, doesn't oh, it? Oh, doesn't it? Doesn't that it? One, that one. Yeah. Talk about a campaign. Talk about a campaign. You would need a campaign to attack that race. You're not. You're not thinking about hours of finishing. You're thinking about days. Yeah. When you start moving days. Yeah, when you when you when you're timing your race with a calendar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. go, you go back and look at you, you know. I remember just before, not again thinking about Jason Cook's preparation because he's basically the only person I am aware mm. of who who's done it. You know, and I remember I clicked into a Strava just to have a look and just actually excla- like, gave a little yelp. You know, just looking at the weeks yeah. he was putting in, like yeah. multiple, yeah. multiple, mm. massive, yeah. just. Walked like walking pretty much, you know. Yeah, because that, that's what you'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I love to just walk to the top of that mountain and get a pizza and yeah. then eat it and then go back down yeah. and then go back up and get another pizza. Yeah, yeah, well, loving that. It's, yeah, that's <laughs> extreme. That is really is extreme. But I, I think, uh, you know, to me, it seems that that, that 
kind of race or the 200 milers would be, you know, you'd be perfect for them and that you've got that endurance, you, yep. you, you know how to plan and tackle things and approach them in a methodical way. I mean, you couldn't go at those things mm. half-assed, could you? No, I think when you, when you get out, even, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can bluff your, bluff your way through a miler. No. Um, but once you get up to the, that, that 200 miles, you, you're going to do, if you're not ready for it, you could do some serious damage to yourself. Yeah. Well, you're just not going to so, make it, are you? Um, yeah, yeah, you're just going to, and, and you don't want to waste everybody's time because there's just so much investment from everybody to, you know, yeah. in your crew and, and yeah. people that are supporting you and that sort of stuff. So, and, and you want to pay respect to the race organisers and the RDs that are putting in the time to set that sort of thing up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's worth taking it real seriously. And, and to me and to, to Nikki, my wife, it seems like a natural progression to move through to something like that. Yeah. And give it a give it a real good nudge as well. I imagine yeah. that like you'd give anything a real good nudge, yeah. you'd give that a good nudge. And I guess what it does is it takes away and I don't say this in a I'm not being pejorative here or or, or, or snarky, but you know, that almost that we're in an age of real entitlement for ultramarathon. You know, it's become mm. something that is attainable and it is attainable because I guess it shows us our limits, right? And that you can do so much yeah. more. But that yeah. sense of, you know, yeah, you can it, it seems like, and in, in and I'm, again, I'm not being silly and don't at me in internet, but it's almost like 100K is almost the new half marathon in some circles, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, absolutely. you yep. know, you can do one mm. and you yeah. feel shitty for a while, but then you, you, you get better, but like 200 miles. And I'm, yeah. you're talking to a person who, who, you know, there's a reasonable chance that I will never do that. Um, but that's really testing. Hey? It that's, really is. It, it really is. That's, yeah, that's heading to the that's heading to the big league, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Start looking at those sorts of milestones. It's a fairly um, select group. You know, I could imagine next year in August on the Thursday morning there might be six people lining up for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, six or seven. You you know, you, you wouldn't get any more than a dozen. I wouldn't. Think. Yeah, the chosen few. Um, mm. Mm. And what I really love about that is, is you know, you look at and you look at something like Biggs or you look at something like anything like that, and it's you can't put if you know if you had your your, tip, your archetypical Euro guy and all his you know his spandex, got, like, spandex on and the 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 mm. the, le the calf sleeves are all faced so the logos are the same way, and then you have the real dirtbag person, and then you have the bog standard ordinary kind of run. Almost you couldn't tell, you know, because you look yeah. at people who yeah. who are going to win it. Or going to complete it, and you think yeah. at that level or that kind of that that amount of challenge is just it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, yeah. and, and I yeah. think you're right. You can't tell. I mean, absolutely no disrespect to the guy, but would many people have picked that Will would be the last one? Yeah. There? Well, he didn't pick no. that he would be the last one there with yeah. Maggie yeah. At, at Big's backyard. You know, you just can't tell. Yeah. It's something in the brain is so much yeah. as important as everything else. Or Katie. Yeah. yeah. In that top four. It's amazing in high-level sport that um, you can still have someone kind of like a surprise winner. Yeah. I suppose. Especially in, in that um, last man standing event is kind of perfect for that, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, somebody, come, somebody comes out of relatively nowhere. Yeah. And can gives everybody a real scare. Yeah, yeah. Um, so much of, of pro sport now, there's, there's a select group of people that can that can come out and, and do something special. That dude who knocked out Anthony Johnson, uh, Joshua. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ruiz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I've got a I've got a buddy that's a, a big boxing fan, and he was telling me about about 
Ruiz, and he's been, you know, fighting since he was like, you know, since he could stand up and he come from the streets and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, classic tale. Classic, Classic tale. Hey, just on on big sports people and uh, your connection with the Moana Paul Pauls. Were you mm-hmm. were you there at the time of Daniel Loder and and you know was that? I had just started lifeguarding there when Dunk was still around his last his last kind of years. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think I saw Daniel from there once. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I yeah. I've, yeah, not it was just just before my time, really. Unfortunately, right. yeah. So because yeah. that would um, be quite something to observe, wouldn't it? What an animal! Yeah, seeing him swim was just you know it was it's like seeing Usain Bolt run, yeah, yeah. or seeing Kipchoge run. Yeah, but it, it is literally that standard. Like the guy was taking like eleven strokes per twenty-five or something. Oh like, wow! Just just a monster. Just if you. Um, have a, a punch on for for beautiful movement, then him in the water was just right up there. Yeah, like size fifteen feet, just a real slow kick, and just a huge hand gripping so much water, it's scary. Calling his coach, Mister so, Lang. Oh, was he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right by his name. Yeah, right until the last day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's quite funny because um actually, um Duncan's son Stephen was my PE PE teacher at school. Oh wow, at Model High. Yeah. yeah. So I knew I knew Stephen quite well. So I didn't know didn't know Duncan. Yeah, yeah. much at all. So mm. yeah, I mean that's small world. I mean, talk and talk about world class in Dunedin. You know, just wow, yeah, amazing, absolutely. Amazing, and, amazing. and and now and now it's building up again with um a young lady down there, Erica Fairweather. Yeah, she's, uh, won a, a junior world title. Yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. they've got you know the the coaching frameworks back there, and and you can see the professionalism of these. These young kids that are swimming there, that they're stretching before, stretching after, and taking it quite seriously. So it's really good to see. It's right. amazing. Hey, look, Chris. We just need to get in the, uh, in the ultra running. Yeah. Those young kids into it, you know, getting building up to it. Challenge laid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> to yourself, because you're killing yeah. it. Hey, look, Chris, we've kept you far too long, and thank you so much for coming on um, Ditchitch Radio. But we're going to ask you that question, and we ask everyone who comes on the podcast Hey, Chris Bisley, yeah. what's your greatest run ever? Yeah, I was having a real good think about this one, and and it came down to two really. And the first one would have to be the uh, the Northburn Run uh, this year, um, kind of starting well, going to hell, and then coming back out the other side somehow um, through there. Um, so that one, and the other one, even though it's not an ultra, but it'd be the the marathon um, phase of in Kona. Just, right. just having read and watched about, you know, the hallowed turf that you run down and Planley Road and the Energy Lab and the Queen K Highway and stuff, they should be, you know, putting down the same places as Mark Allen went and Dave Scott and, yeah. and all the famous people for you. They actually run down there and do it. It's just one of those dream come true kind of runs. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, hey, that, that must have yeah. really been something. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. It's it's I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been so solid. You know, yeah. like it's just been jam packed no. and uh 
but it oh, get, hopefully, but it hopefully out. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I can kind of drivel on into the weeds about this. And that. <laughs> no, 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 it's fascinating, and and yeah, we I mean we've really enjoyed sort of real nerding out at some points, yeah. and uh, and, yeah, and thank you for being you know sharing and being open. I mean, we we sort of tried to dive right nah. in there, and and uh, you were real. Yeah, you know, I think I think people will learn a lot from from what you've had to say. So thank you, and good luck yeah, for no, crazy case. Absolutely, yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be a big day. Let us know how you so do. We'll, we'll, we'll give it everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah Keep tabs it on on the um, on their Facebook site. We'll we'll do. Do. All right, cheers, Chris. Yeah. such a solid conversation yeah hey wouldn't you have loved to have watched uh, Duncan Lang and Daniel Loder at work yeah I I think I I think I would have I mean like I rem- the thing that stuck with me is that 11 strokes for 25 uh, metres yeah just ridiculous redonkulous redonkulous um, yeah for those of you who don't know Daniel Loder won two gold medals two gold medals yep at the Atlanta Olympics um Amazing swimmer and a bit of an enigmatic character. Um, he just kind of dropped out of the public yeah, eye. Yeah, doesn't like doesn't like the publicity. Doesn't like talking. Fair enough. Got a respect for that. And um, yeah, there you go. There you go. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chris, for sharing so much. I hope that you guys. I mean, I, I know that personally, I learned a bunch from yeah, that I did conversation too. with Chris. Really good fun. And um, yeah, I felt we really got a good insight there. So thank you. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms, and you can download direct from our website, which is Dirt Church Radio. Also, if you uh, were on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Dirt Church Radio. If we're not where you want us to be, let us know. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us. It really helps. And if you like what you see, please spread the love. It would be great as if many people as possible heard the show, and for that we need your help. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running for the Faster, CLE Athletics, My Spring Energy. I always say My Spring Energy. It's Spring Energy. The website is My Spring Energy. Spring Energy. And uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters again. Mm. Thank you to our editor, Kieran. Thank and we've got you. another really great guest lined up for next week. So tune in then. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>